All right. Hello. Welcome to the Cosmic Eye Show. I'm your host, Jason Napolitano. And on the phone on this Palm Sunday, I have Mr. Chris Sheridan. Happy Palm Sunday, Chris. Happy Palm Sunday. Thank and you. I guess for me, that means cleaning up some palm fronds from the yard. I guess we had a windy night last night. So literally, there are palms on this Sunday, on this Palm Sunday, that have come down from upon mm-hmm. high. Well, lay lay them out and make make the path of Jesus that much much easier for for him to get into Jerusalem. So as we as as we know or do not know, we may or may not know, Palm Sunday is the day that Jesus went uh, up into Jerusalem uh, was a, before the crucifixion, obviously. Uh, so this is his triumph triumphant uh, entry into Jerusalem. It's called, and so it's Palm Sunday because the idea was that the people in the city were throwing out throwing down garments and palms and so on in the front of, uh, in the path uh, he was riding in. And uh, it was a, it was a, an honor to do that at that time, an ancient symbol of the palm or, or some other plant. They're not exactly sure, but they, they, they use the palm today. Uh, And they still use the palm uh, in a lot of Christian churches on Palm Sunday as a representation of that idea. So happy Palm Sunday to everyone. We're ushering in, um, a new age of light and wisdom, hopefully, with the work that we're doing and, uh, you know, with the new level of consciousness that we're all trying to create here. And specifically on this show, we're trying to do that each and every week. So we appreciate you joining us on the Cosmic Eye Show. And, you know, thank you for your for your support and help uh, in this endeavor. And if you can, please support us at anchor.fm slash Cosmic Eye. Check out uh, our books, Chris and I's books. Um, Mine is, if you can worry, you can meditate. And Chris's is the spirit in the sky. Those are both on Amazon or our respective websites, chrissheridan.com or uh, cosmiceye.org. So that is our spiel. And now we will get into the, the heart of what we're talking about today. So we're going to look at Matthew, uh, the book of Matthew from uh, the New Testament. And we're primarily looking at Matthew uh, 5, 15, more or less, to, to the to, to through 16. But we're going to start, we'll, we'll contextualize the whole thing and look at the entire passage. This is uh, the portion of the Bible, uh, not the Bible, excuse me, the portion of Matthew in the New Testament, where Jesus is actually uh, doing the, the um, Beatitudes. So contextually, then, this is, uh, this is at the end of the blessed are the poor in spirits, etc., the Beatitudes. And this is a section that's known in a lot of Bibles as the salt and light section. So it actually runs from Matthew 13 to Matthew 16. So I'm going to go ahead and just read the whole things. We're, we're going to primarily, like I said, look at 14 through 16, more or less, but we'll read the whole, the whole section. Uh, and I'll, I'll start with that. And then maybe you can uh, you can read the Gospel of Thomas version. So we have another another thing to look at. So then after we read through these, then we're going to break it down and go into some of the symbolic nature of, of the ele- some of the elements of this and a little more contextualization and so on of its uh, of its um, significance. So, so I'll start here and uh, then, Chris, you can read the, 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 the sort of Gnostic version from Gospel of Thomas, if, uh, if that works for you. Gotcha. Okay, so Matthew 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. All right. So do you want to read that uh, Gospel of Thomas version? Sure. And just to, uh, I guess, cross-reference, it's also um, Luke 11, uh, verse 33. Very similar. No man uh, lighteth a candle and put it in a secret place, but on a candlestick. Uh, and same with Mark 4, uh, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick. Uh, so very similar in the uh, canonized, um, you know, proved <laughs> Gospels, uh, but also Gospel of Thomas, 
Uh, and this is one of the Gnostic um, lost gospels, I guess, that was recovered in the uh, Nag Hammadi uh, discovery in the 40s. I believe you can, you know more about this than I do on no, this right. setup. That's right. Absolutely. Um, it had been it had been known, but it had been in fragments. Uh, was not uh, approved as part of the official Bible when that came about in uh, the fourth century. Um, but this discovery uh, was a complete version of, and it's about 106, I think, I could be wrong, um, verses. Um, all They would all be like red letter because they're all quotes from Jesus, attributed to Jesus um, at the time. Many of them are familiar, about half of them um, are in the uh, official Bible. And some of them are really, really weird. So yeah. um, you might want to you know, explore the Gospel of Thomas if you want something uh, a little more unusual take. Uh, but I really like it. So this is uh, verse 33, Gospel of Thomas. Jesus said, what we, you will hear in your ear, in the other ear, proclaim from your rooftops. After all, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, nor does one put it in a hidden place. Rather, one puts it on a lampstand so that all who come and go will see its light. So very, very similar. Um, but there are some nuanced differences between, uh, you know, among some of these. Uh, and I look forward to getting, uh, yeah. getting further into this. Let's go. Yeah, definitely. So as we, as we break this down and kind of look at some of the different elements and go a little more line by line, we'll, we'll refer back to some of those, uh, those related elements. Uh, those related texts, those related uh, gospels uh, that we that we went over here. All right, so first let's look at the book of Matthew just really briefly. It is the first book in the New Testament. It's before Mark. Mark is probably historically the oldest gospel in theory. At least they have archaeological and you know textual textual evidence for that. Uh, but Matthew is the first gospel in the Bible. Um, to, uh, to be placed there because in a lot of ways it's more uh, complete, more fleshed out than Mark is. And it, it, it really offers uh, sort of a deeper, uh, deeper insight into a lot of these, these sayings. And there's certainly more information in it than there is. Mark is a bit more stripped down. So whether or not, um, you know, this book was built off of a foundation of Mark with some other ideas or whether or not these are separate sources and all that stuff is is contested. Uh, but getting back actually to what you were talking about, that Gospel of Thomas, one of the interesting theories um, in Bible scholarship, and it's kind of it's a really controversial one, but there's this idea that there was a there was a, a document called Q. Um, which I think stands for quelle, which I'm not exactly sure what it means at the moment. It escapes my mind. But the point is, is it was like this foundational document of Jesus sayings, basically. It's this hypothesized document that contains different sayings of Jesus that all these the synoptic gospels drew from. It was interesting because when they found the Gospel of Thomas intact, they thought that that might be this Q source. And some scholars actually accepted that, but then a lot did not because I guess the, the timing on it and when it was written and so on. So, but that's, that's one theory that's still, still contested to this, to this day as to whether or not that this, this gospel of Thomas might be the, the source of where all these sayings come from, because it, it's, it's so, it follows a lot of what's in these synoptic gospels, but then it, it, it has even more and different sayings. So, you know, so we don't really know. But uh, that's that's an interesting theory. So Matthew was one of the disciples and he was the tax collector, if you recall. So it's interesting that that this particular book is is addressed from Matthew's point of view. Now, whether or not he wrote this again, of course, is highly contested. Most people think that's not true. But symbolically speaking, Matthew is the author of this. And that was, of course, done in the ancient world to, you know, to give uh, a book certain credence you know, it wasn't, it wasn't to fool anyone. It was to honor those particular people. So it's interesting that they chose the tax collector as being, you know, someone to, you know, to, to share this information. If you think about it, that's a very, he's a very worldly figure. He reminds us of ourselves a lot, a very modern type of individual who's very interested in the details and accurate reporting. And he's, a you know, he's, he's, he's active in the world before he became one of the disciples as a, as a, 
you know, as a, as a businessman and so on. So there, there's a lot of interesting things in that just to kind of contextualize where this gospel's at. Uh, because it is, it is one of these things that's kind of teaching us how to operate in the world. Um, so the first thing that happens in this is that you have to go back to the beginning of, of, of this particular chapter, which is five, chapter five. And basically what Jesus does, it says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them. And then he goes into the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, et cetera, et cetera. And you, by the way, you can go back and listen to uh, more about the Beatitudes in our, uh, in our podcast, The Sermon on the Mount. We looked at, um, we looked at these in detail through uh, the lens of Emmett Fox's great work on this. So what's interesting about that is Jesus is going up the mountain. And this sort of is analogous to, to Moses going up the mountain to receive the, the Ten Commandments. And they're, you know, they're kind of hinting at that, obviously. But also, it's a place of wisdom. You know, a mountain is a, is a place where, where spiritual wisdom takes place. People go up on top of mountains to meditate, uh, pray, to, to make sacrifices, to do the different things that they do. And so it represents a place of, of enlightenment or you know, spiritual wisdom, in a sense. So Jesus is going up there and he's getting away from the crowds and only the disciples are with him. So it really does show how important this section is um, and how, how deeply spiritual it is, uh, but also how it's connected to, to Moses and the law. And in a sense, what, what Jesus is doing is he's taking this and extending, uh, extending Jewish law and sharing it with a larger a larger audience because he's speaking to Gentiles and he's speaking to all the different people that are, that are in the cosmopolitan world that he lives in. Although he himself is from the country, you know, uh, Palestine, Judea, you know, Israel at this time, ancient Israel under, under, it was called Palestine under, under the Romans. It, it was, it was, uh, somewhat of a backwater to Rome in the Roman mind, but it was, pretty sophisticated and there was quite a bit of trade and, and there was a lot of uh, things moving from, from the East to the, you know, to the Western world and so on. And it was kind of a crossroads place. So there were a lot of different philosophical ideas. It was a very, you know, in a lot of ways, at least for, for that, that area, it was pretty cosmopolitan. So, you know, there were a lot of different ideas being shared and so forth. And, you know, it's an interesting it's an interesting time and place for, for Jesus to be sharing this information. Plus, you know, there's the idea of this oppression from, you know, the Roman empire and there's, there's Jewish rebellion and, you know, there's, there's all these different things being cooked up at the time that were, you know, that were taking place. So he is, uh, he's up and away and he's sharing this information and it's, you know, it's a combination of practical advice and, and spiritual advice, really this, this section that we're looking at. You know, and, and so and he's doing this up in this spiritual place, up this mountain, which is very interesting. Um, but what I, I well, one other thing I took away from this is like he's he's in a lot of ways he's taking the idea of of the law and he's like extending it into a more um, we talked about this earlier, but he's extending it into a more sort of universal ideal and a more personal ideal, a more inner ideal. So he's, you know, like he's, he's, he's sort of taking it to the next level in essence saying like, well, you know, you shouldn't kill, but you also, you know, shouldn't be angry at other people. Just, you know, you sh you know, you shouldn't uh, commit adultery, but then you should also should not even have lustful thoughts. So he's extending it and making it even more personal and more sort of subjective in a way of sort of the internal or inner, inner feelings that need to occur along with the actual behavioral part of it. And that's uh, that's something interesting, and and the thing is, this this salt and light metaphor almost fit that to a T because you can think of salt as being something very earthy, and you can think of light as being something spiritual. So he's almost like saying you've got to be salt and you've got to be light at the same time. So you've got to follow the laws, and you've also got to extend them out to this new spiritual and more universal understanding found that to be, be pretty interesting. Did you, did you see that as well? Or, you know, did you have any other thoughts to add onto that? Well, I mean, yeah. And it's a question is, you know, why, why is it important to say that and to bring it 
out mm-hmm. and put it in a very personal context because you know at the time and for you know a thousand years after plus uh literacy wasn't uh very prevalent you know not not everyone knew how to read or write so if it was the word of the law or the word of god it was and it was in a book you had to believe the authority figures so it was already one removed already one external and if you can't read or write then you're not directly going to perceive the message uh, so this kind of transcends that. It brings it out of, you know, the temple or the inner sanctum or something, and then puts it in your inner sanctum, that part of your soul, mm-hmm. uh, the, the temple that's in your head <laughs> in between those temple doors. Yeah. Um, you know, and then it's portable. Uh, it also transcends any, you know, religious and political. And, and you made a, a good point about Jerusalem and, and some other areas being trade hubs. Uh, so, you know, culture, religion, um, dress, uh, fabrics, you know, a lot of artisans uh, and their works uh, would have been exchanged. Um, and a lot of them have, their, they're very tribal. It was a Bronze Age uh, tribal culture. Um, so to have something that's more personally or, or very much personally oriented, um, that the role is, for, is what you play and how you look at things mm-hmm. It makes it portable. It transcends any tribal or regional differences, and it makes it accessible if you don't know how to read or write. So I think that was that came up uh, to me. You know, that might be one of the dynamics. And you brought up a point that these disciples came up to the hill, so he's really kind of speaking to them. Yeah. You know, I had always, and since you brought that up, I'm like, oh, I'd always thought that you think, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, and there he is, and there's the multitude, and Everyone can hear him, even in the back row. And it's like, oh, it was already removed. And then it was just the yeah. disciples that came up. So it's, it is kind of in that kind of, it's very much you know, more of an inner circle um, secret message or, you know, ancient wisdom that's, that's been preserved uh, because they knew how to handle it. Uh, they knew more than the multitude um, on some of this, symbolism but they still needed to be instructed to even go further that they may come down from the mountain and then and then share share it it. and that's exactly what he's what he's doing is he's instructing the disciples what they need to do isn't he so he's sharing this deeper wisdom with them and that they need to take it even further this is the thing about it is that you know jewish law had all these these principles and ideals and and so forth this isn't anything new. I mean, they had been, you know, they've been studying Torah for, for centuries and, you know, and t- studying the, the Hebrew scriptures for centuries. And this is where this is all drawn from in a lot of ways, uh, this and, and, and other sources, but it wasn't common knowledge. And I think that the, what Jesus was doing was he was sort of taking Judaism, extending it out and universalizing it and sharing it in a new way with those who might not be exposed to it or sharing it with those who were exposed to it in a completely different, different manner. And so it's an interesting thing to look at it like that and then see that parallel with Moses where Moses is, you know, up there by himself and he's receiving these commandments from God. And then he's bringing them down to the Israelites. Jesus is up there with the disciples sharing this information with them and then charging them to go out into the world and share this light and share this and be this salt. It's a, it's a bit of different, uh, it's a bit of a different, uh, ex, it's an extension of, of the original idea and a sort of um, a different quality to it, but it's very, it's very similar. And I find that interesting. So, well, the candle itself um, is, you know, I mean, we can go on and on about, you know, the metaphor mm-hmm. and the symbolism, but as far as he, he talks about lighting a candle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it implies that, okay, now that this, this candle has been lit, mm-hmm. lit with what? The light of wisdom. Where did it come from? And in this telling of the story, Jesus then gave it to the 12, basically lit their candles. Cause uh, you might be familiar with it. This happens a lot. Um, uh, especially at memorial services or something where there's one candle and everybody dips their personal Mm. candle into that one or two people do and they light other people's and it passes out. So that way you, I mean, passes around. Um, You can light a lot of candles from one candle if each one 
whose own candle is lit lights another who lights another who lights another. Um, wow. So yeah. I, I think that's kind of interesting because now that they are alight um, with this wisdom. Um, oh, look what I heard from Jesus. This is great. I know this now. Um, yeah. yeah no, take it doesn't, up. Share it. Doesn't go into your bed. Doesn't go into a bushel. Yeah. yeah. So we'll start, um, we'll start breaking that down then kind of, um, uh, you know, sort of line by line and look at some of those different symbols uh, in a second. Uh, one more thing though, I did want to say is that, uh, there's, uh, so there's this, well, actually, no, we'll just get right into that. So we'll start reading this and then we'll, we'll, we'll break it down piece by piece. So we'll start with, again, we're, we're going to focus more on four, you know, 14 and 14, 15 and 16, but we're going to start with this first section just to, just to line it up. In other words, so you are, you are the salt of the earth, but salt has lost its taste. How can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but it's thrown out and trampled underfoot. Something to know about salt is that, you know, it's a symbol. It's an alchemical symbol, first of all, of, uh, of, uh, of solidity in essence, or something, something congealing into matter. That's one way to look at it. Um, but it's also a symbol because it's a perfect cube. If you look at it under a microscope, it, it's these perfect little, little six sided cubes in its essence. Salt is a, is a symbol for the, for the universe, the six sort of six sided universe, basically what you, you know, in, in symbolic terms and Kabbalism be the cube of space. So if you think about, you know, manifestation, you sort of being in the, in the inside of this, um, you know, three-dimensional die, as it, as it were, like a six-sided die. That's sort of a representation of, of the universe. It's, it's, it's imperfect. Sometimes the universe is thought of as a circle, but one way of thinking of physical manifestation is this six-sided die. It's symbolic stuff that goes beyond the scope of what we're talking about today. But uh, the point is that salt then, you know, sort of represents materiality. It represents the earth and even says the salt of the earth, you know, but there's also this sort of historical significance and this contextual significance is that salt at that time was something that was very precious. So I think it's alluding to the idea that the body, both the body and the light in the body are both precious uh, because the salt, salt itself, and we, we talked about this before the show, was actually a form of uh, of currency in that time. Roman legionnaires apparently were paid in salt. Oftentimes people traded salt. It was worth its, its, its salt was worth, it was almost as, 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 as uh, valuable as gold was. And that you, well, that's where salary comes from, right? Like uh, saline, uh, S-A-L, you know, the, the word, they literally were paid with salt. Uh, that was their salary. It was their yeah, the, lump, of, lump of salt. Yeah, exactly. I think there was a term salarium, which meant um, a, a share of salt or something like that. And they were given a salarium of salt each uh, month or whatever, which was rations that they could use for themselves or sell because it was so valuable. Uh, so, so, you know, the other thing is at this particular time, you know, obviously there was no refrigeration. There was no electricity. There was no ice out in the desert or any of this. So, Salt was a preservative, you know, it, it kept things um, fresh in essence. And so there's a reference there to this idea of being salt, being, being something that, you know, that restores, that sort of vivifies or preserves. So, you know, this information needs to, needs to go out and you need to, you know, help preserve the sort of, sort of wisdom and the, the spiritual understanding. And in addition, extend it, extend it with this light. Uh, and he's, you know, he's saying it's no longer good for anything, but it's thrown out and trampled underfoot if it's lost its saltiness, you know, and its saltiness is its power. It's its power to, to be, you know, to be restorative and to be a uh, preservative uh, in, in essence. So that's, it's kind of an interesting, uh, interesting angle on that. And again, it's, it's, it's contrasted with the next line, which is uh, Matthew 14, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. And then what we were talking about 15, which is what we're mainly going to do. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand and gives light and it gives light to all in the house. You know, so what, you know, why are we even talking about this is, is, is a, is a legitimate question as we're nearly halfway through at the show. But the important thing about looking at this is that, look, we live in, 
challenging times. We all know this. We know we're, we're, you know, we're, we're under this quarantine right now. We all are aware of a lot of the challenges that, that face us uh, in the near future and so on. And so we decided to do this show really to look at this, to look at this idea and to look back at the Bible for, for, for kind of these, these same reasons, for two reasons. One, you know, the ancient wisdom is, is still contained in the New Testament and Old Testament. It can be gleaned out uh, by a, a proper, you know, interpretation and understanding of it. And that's the sort of preservative quality. And that two, you know, we want to extend the wisdom out that we, you know, the, the understandings that we find in our lives and the spiritual truths that we encounter out to the world. We want to take it out there and do something with it. And I think right now that's more important than ever. I mean, and if we can only do that, you know, with our family and friends and through social media and so forth right now, hey, more, you know, that's fine. But, you know, when we're able to get back out into the world again and start, start, start working together, we have some challenges ahead of us. And so at this time, more than, you know, more than ever, we need this, this idea that share the light that you've learned. So we take this time that we've had to, you know, go into ourselves and do our meditation and work with ourselves, um, you know, do our spiritual study and so on since we've been under this coronavirus quarantine. But then now we've got to take out what we've learned out into the world and, and, and proclaim it and share it. You know, so if we've learned something and I see a lot of people learning things about gardening and, you know, baking and and crafts and family and what's important and maybe new ways of doing things ecologically and so on. Those are the things we're going to have to start implementing on a larger scale. Right. Um, living in a more spiritual way, a more peaceful way with our neighbors, solving our problems, you know, nationally and internationally without the use of force you know, taking some of these lessons we're learning and really applying them and going out into the field and in the world and, 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 you know, spreading that light. Right. Right. And, you know, this is when, this is when this is necessary. I mean, it's always necessary to keep it preserved, uh, to perpetuate uh, ancient wisdom, scientific knowledge, Otherwise, we would just have to relearn things every generation, but we don't because we preserve and we built upon uh, what has come before us standing on the shoulders of giants. Like I think that was a Newton uh, quote. Um, and once we have this aha and become enlightened or I guess in 12 steps, once you become sober, you have a job, you have a role to play. And that is to then share what it is that you have achieved or attained or demonstrated in your own life as working. You know, I don't think we share anything on this show that we haven't either really thought about a lot mm -hmm. um, or have felt is significant uh, and more so what has really worked in our lives. I'm speaking for us both, but I, I, I would say that's, that's true. Yeah. Because I don't want to share something that, hey, you know, why don't you try this? I haven't, but go ahead. <laughs> but maybe so, it'll work for you. No. And on a lot of these things I was skeptical with. And, you know, we've talked about this before. And we, we can't always, again, sometimes the, you know, Jesus said or Christianity that um, can be cringeworthy for, for a lot of people because it has become so associated with some prominent or, you know, well-known uh, televangelists or you know, snake oil salesmen you know, that have really tarnished or at least put a bad spin on it, but it doesn't change what's happened underneath. It doesn't at all. Mm -hmm. um, as a matter of fact, it, it needs to go back and to be rescued again. <laughs> and I think that's what, what we're doing. We're able to really see past some of the, um, you know, attachments or associations uh, that have been heaped upon uh, Christianity in the last 2000 years. Uh, get back to the source. And I think you were mentioning Q earlier. I think it actually does mean source. Oh, yeah, you're right. Quality <laughs> kind of right, source. Right yeah, on the nose. Right. Exactly. Source. You're right. So Thank we're you. getting back to the source. And I think that's, you know, lighting that light inside, uh, that light of wisdom. It's nothing can be lit. Like a candle can't be lit. A lamp can't be lit unless it has a wick and some fuel to burn. A, a lamp won't, uh, like a light bulb, um, you can have all the electricity you want, but if the light bulb doesn't have the filament in the bulb, um, it's not going to light up. So we have within us 
um, if not the light itself, we have that which will <laughs> be lit once we have this spark um, or catalyst to open it up and to light this light. And then once we do, uh, to share it. So I think we've uncovered, we've actually gone um, under the bushel or under the bed um, where this light is and brought it out and sharing it. Mm. And that's, you know, I think this yeah, is really the absolutely. essence of, of what this is. Um, and, but it can take a while though. It can, to really get the light in your own life, sometimes it, it will be challenged with old beliefs or doubts mm. or fears um, suspicion. Um, but when it does lighten things up, um, that's enlightenment, you know, light is such a, you know, constant metaphor for, uh, spiritual knowledge and, um, enlightenment, uh, that it's, you know, time to bring that forth. So anything that we have, you know, to share. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's that, and it's the sharing that's the important part here. I think sometimes, you know, we can all do do this to to a large degree. Um, you know, we 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 want to we share things, quote unquote, on on social media or, you know, through a little piece of writing or something that we might do. But, you know, what this is really talking about. I mean, it's partially that's 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 good to do, but it's really becoming um the living example a living example and it's a doing thing because it's you know in the same way let your light shine before others this is matthew 16 so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven so you're saying really here is you know you've got to get your own ego out of the way but you've got to also you've also got to do the good works which means stuff it means getting messy and going out into into the world and doing things it means you know volunteering down at that soup kitchen or starting that nonprofit group or starting a community food co-op or doing something if you want changes in the world out there to occur and i see a lot of this stuff right now on social media especially during this time where people are turned in on themselves they they they're talking about how different everything is going to be once we get back out there. And, you know, it really, that's, it's only, you know, look, the, the, the internal portion of it being closed off and, you know, starting to be a more spiritual person and taking time to do meditation and so on is the first step. And it's fantastic. But the next step then is to take, take what you've learned out into the world. The world is, is, especially after we get to get back to quote unquote normal, that's when the challenges are going to begin. They're not, they're not over because you get back out into the world and you don't have to be stuck at home anymore. The, the challenges are just going to be, be beginning. We're going to be dealing with some challenging economic situations and some, some shifting political situations and social situations that are going to be the result of all of these you know, tax dollars that are being sent out and so forth. And wide and sweeping changes probably will occur, but they're only going to occur in a positive way if we get out and do something with the knowledge that we've gained and don't expect someone else to do it for us. We have to be that light. You know, we can't hide it. We have to be that city built on a hill that cannot be hid so that we're the light of the world, as he says. You know, and, and so the really then this this time that we're spending by ourselves and doing this spiritual work and this introspective work and study and so on right now for a lot of us is the lighting of the lamp. Um, but if you just stay in with the information that you find in these, these different things and breakthroughs that you've, you know, that you've had during this time and you don't take it back out into the world, but you just want to get back to business as usual, well, then you're not really, you're not really that light of the world then, are you? Um, no, it has to, it has to be, you know, a, almost a visceral a demonstration mm -hmm. of that light enough to where people notice it. It's not just speaking it or retweeting a roomy poem or something, which is, is great. And a good word should flow as maybe hey, more so I, than, than all the negativity. I'm all I for it. I didn't retweet that. I tweet <laughs> <laughs> I tweeted it originally. I'm just kidding. I know. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. 
No, no, no. I, I mean, I'm mentioning that because I, I love I'm it. I'm kidding. Um, but to be um, so full of that light and whatever it is, and we can, you know, let's move on at some point and we'll talk about, you know, what is this light? What is sure. your light? Um, but whatever it is, uh, you're demonstrating, you're radiating it. Let's just call it radiate um, to where people are sensing it. They pick up on it. Um, you know, you can walk into a room and people can just sense something mm-hmm. and they turn mm-hmm. around and they go, well, well, that person isn't a nervous mm-hmm. wreck. Yeah. What are they so calm about? Yeah, it's a quality, <laughs> isn't it? In, uh, yeah, it is. And you're, so it's not just, you know, that I'm doing this or saying that. It's really you're being it. You're, you're radiating yourself with you know, poise or calmness or serenity or a centeredness, a self um, confidence that's not, you know, so overt. It's a, it's a quiet, it's a gentle strength. Um, people do sense on that just as much as they can sense somebody who's you know, all freaked mm-hmm. out or nervous wreck. Well, it changes. Um, you can sense a calmness. Yeah, and it changes the atmosphere, you doesn't really it? Can. It changes the very atmosphere of the situation that one goes into. Uh, and you can affect it. And that's what they say. Yeah, in the uh, 12-step recovery uh, program, uh, a saying that gets used a lot is, if you want what we have and are willing to go to you know, certain steps to, to achieve it, um, wanting what we have means that you know, you're seeing living proof of somebody who was a drunken mess, just like you are, um, who has made it mm-hmm. through this, who got out of prison, who got their family back and they're working now and got their teeth fixed or, you know, whatever, you know, hell mm-hmm. they've been through. Um, and it's not just somebody telling their stories or it, it's, you can feel it. You can sense it and saying, wow, how did yeah. you do that? How did you, sure. of all people, some scary biker looking yeah. guy, you know, and he's it's... all, you know, peace and serenity. And, and it's like, whoa, how did, you know, you used to terrorize the neighborhood and now you're, you know, but you can feel it because otherwise people mm-hmm. won't buy it. If you're just saying it, they will for a while, but a lot of these people have been, they've already been fooled anyway, and they've already tried to fool mm-hmm. other people. So um, there's something about, let's say this quality that, that I'm glad you mentioned that word, that's a great way to put it, this quality of radiance uh, that you are vibrating <laughs> with, sending these waves out into the world. That's authentic. Uh, that people do pick up on and it can be very attractive. And if nothing else, even if you don't interact with a person, uh, if they sense that, if they witness it, they're going to know, well, gee, this person, this person has something mm-hmm. going on. Uh, it, at the very least, it yeah. demonstrates it can be done. Yeah. Which opens the door for that can also happen in my life. That's the next step of that. Uh, and that is so important. It may be more important than some of the things you say or do. Uh, it's just your way of being, your poise, your demeanor. If you have this light, if you have this faith, um, this confidence, this gentle strength. Yeah, you can do that's a good people. point. And, you know, the thing is, then it takes it to the next level, which so my personal experience then becomes an example or an exemplar of, you know, of the, of the universal mind of God, of the father in heaven, as Jesus says. And then, you know, then it becomes less about my, my ego and what I'm, I'm doing and more about, you know, sort of glorifying and sharing that universal spirit that we all have within us and, and giving a a good positive example for people who might not have an idea of what, what that is. And it doesn't mean that, you know, you have to share a specifically, uh, you know, New Testament message or, or what have you, but it means that you're glorifying that spiritual truth, that universal light that's in yourself and sharing it and maybe giving someone who, who doesn't have any sense of that, uh, a, a role model to look at and then give, you know, you're being the example of what it could be like to, to, to be more connected to that spiritual source. Uh, the deeds that you do and the sort of energy that you radiate is as you go about your, your, your life each day. 
And so that's, uh, that's an important thing. I want to share a little bit from, uh, from this great book of, uh, of Yogananda's. It's called The Second Coming of Christ, The Resurrection of the Christ Within You. It's a little two-volume setup. It's an excellent book. Uh, and he, he does discourses on all of these, these, uh, these passages. Uh, and I'm going to read what he, what, he, what he wrote here. Just as lighted candles are not meant to be covered by bushel baskets, but put on candlesticks to shed their light. So also souls are lighted with the inherent presence of God, not to be enshrouded by ignorance, uselessness, materiality, and death, but that they may, that they may with the illumination of wisdom and goodness enlighten spiritually darkened lives. Evil eclipses the light of the soul. As the flame of a candle is extinguished by lack of oxygen, so a soul loses its outer radiance without the vitality of goodness. Good persons should not hide their enlivened soul qualities. Uh, as expressed by, in Gray's Elegy, that's a poem, uh, full many a flower is born to blush unseen and waste its sweetness on the desert air. They ought to engage, this is not the poem anymore, they ought to engage in good actions among men so that human darkness may be illumined. So really this is, this is what, this gets at the heart of all of this that we're talking about. It's, you know, being a, a useful member of society and allowing that light that's within you that you've discovered to shine out and influence other people so that they may live better lives as well. By that we mean more peaceful, more connected, more, you know, more sustainable, happier, more joyful, more quote unquote spiritual lives. And we're less caught up in all of these material wants and egotistical needs and so on that we spend most of our life pursuing. You know, we've, we've switched over uh, in a lot of ways and we're, we're, you know, now operating from a higher, a higher source. But again, it's out in the world. It's not you sitting back in your apartment, you know, taking pot shots at people on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and criticizing, you know, political leaders and spiritual leaders and anyone you disagree with. But it's actually being out in the world and being that loving presence, sharing the information that you believe in in a positive way and not arguing people into it, but inspiring them into change by your example that's the light let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven in other words that they may find that same thing within themselves and that's what you know jesus talks about the father within that doeth the works in other places um since we are kind of getting towards the ending point let's talk more about about practical stuff i want to get into a related passage this one is is quite beautiful it's from Ephesians, and this is a section of, of the New Testament written by Paul. It's a letter that he wrote to the people of Ephesus, the Ephesians. And this is 5.8, 5, 8 through uh, 14. 5.8 through 14, we're going to look at. Okay, so Paul writes, For once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, sleep or awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time. So, you know, really this is, he's extolling you to, to wake up, to wake up. Um, so many of us are, are, are sleeping. I mean, we may think that we're spiritual people. And, and again, you know, it's not this specific sectarian message that we're, we're interested in. You know, we're not trying to say you need to be, you know, this type of Christian or you need to be that type of, you know, Buddhist or whatever, we're, we're really speaking universally when we're using these scriptures. And I think this is the next level of taking, taking this information, this tradition that we have in the West of uh, this biblical tradition and, and our shared heritage of Greek mythology and so on and, and, our, and our Western wisdom and carrying it forward with our scientific knowledge, with the comparative knowledge that we have now about the East and so forth and trying to find common ground trying to find common ground right now 
it's not our job to argue and to try to find fault with people and point the finger of blame at others and so on. It's, it's important to, you know, to look at things and say, okay, this isn't right. And we don't want to do things like this anymore, but we have to, instead of arguing about it, pointing it out and trying to shame and criticize people on the internet about it, we have to do the opposite of that. So you have to do the thing you want to, to, you know, you want to see have happen not just criticize it out of existence, quote unquote. All the thing is with all this, it, it's when you're creating, when you're creating a situation where things are polarized, all you create is argument. If you create a situation where you're open to solution, you're trying to find common ground. You're saying, okay, look, here's a problem. We have an eco ecological disaster looming. We have an economic disaster possibly looming. We have social and cultural disasters looming. What are we going to do about that? They're solvable problems. You know, what are we going to do about it? And that's when we start finding common ground and saying, look, let's work together. I know that you think differently about this or that issue, but we've got to work on this because we can all agree that this X, Y, Z is a problem. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's where, you know, sharing that light and living as children of light, you know, comes into play. Uh, so, you know, you've, you've got to be in a lot of ways, you've got to be the bigger person, you've got to be the peacemaker, and you've got to be the person who's a mediator, and you've got to be the person who lives by example, not by argument and by anger and frustration, but by a loving example. And a lot of people are doing a really good job at, at doing that. And, I'm, you know, do more of that. But if we're not, you know, and I count myself among these people, I, I want to get out there more and, and be more proactive you know, in the world and putting some of these things into action uh, and trying to create a, a better world to live in. I mean, you would agree with that now? Oh, definitely. It's, and it's not um, in addition, to put it this way, in addition to sharing and radiating this light and this lightness, peacefulness, um, it's also the effect of that. I think people also notice the effect, either the effect in your presence, if you're demonstrating this, or also the effect in the, the you know, you, when they're watching you um, in your life. Like, it's, yeah. you know, how are you able to, how are you able to get such a good mm -hmm. night's sleep? I haven't slept mm -hmm. in three weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, you, if you do, you know, have a good night's sleep, um, and then you're back out in the world and people notice that you're refreshed. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, so it's just, it's the thing itself, but it's mm -hmm. also the, the secondary effect. Um, and I think that's uh, something that really just gets picked up. Uh, maybe it's on a subconscious or unconscious level, um, but it really does. And I, I like this, this Ephesians yeah. uh, line about, you know, wake up, you know, I think, the sleeping, we're, mm -hmm. we're in a waking sleep, I think. Um, yeah, we're walking around and we're doing stuff in, in the world, at least up until a few weeks ago. We've been going about our day. Uh, but it's kind of half asleep, too. It's by habit. It's, and well, this is the way things are. And, you know, this is what I got to do. Well, I got to get through this day and the next day. Uh, without maybe reevaluating what, you know, what is really going on, what is really important. And, I'm hopeful that this quarantine and this turning inward uh, will be a real opportunity for us to look at, uh, you know, as we gear up for, for mm -hmm. you know, re-entry in society, um, is there a better yeah. way we can go yeah. about this? Yes, let's reopen the schools. They Kids have to get to school and, and learn and, you know, participate and do all those things. What are they yeah. going back to? Let's what take is a look. System? Let's, let's, you know, maybe reevaluate it for your job. Maybe you can telecommute now. It's, it's proven that you can maybe two days a week. Uh, maybe you can do that when the shop opens up again. Maybe you can still come in three days well, instead of five. And that that's, down yeah, that's possible. Or it like may that. be that these jobs disappear. And now what are we going to do? And it may be that, you know, that we're going to need to completely, yeah you know, reevaluate and dismantle a lot of what we're doing as business as usual, and then really kind of say, well, you know, I didn't really like that job much anyway. And so whether I'm, you know, telecommuting or I'm, I'm driving in there or whether or not it's, you know, in West Covina or it's close by or, you know, whatever, it's almost like these are all kind of inconsequential questions when it gets down to like, do I really believe in this work that I'm doing? And does it, does, is it actually fundamentally 
you know, sustainable and positive and helpful to other people. And most of the time, most of the work that we're doing is not. And so then we've got to say, well, how do we reevaluate that? And how do we make this, this great change that needs to be made? And it, it, it is a, it is a challenge, you know, at first, yeah, we obviously have to get back to business as usual, but then if we get lulled into that, that sleepy state, like you were talking about, then it's like, well, this isn't so bad. And uh, so, you know, whatever, we'll, we'll make it through. The thing is the party's over, you know, and I'm not trying to be an apocalyptic alarmist or something, but you know, we're at, you know, everyone knows we're at this condition of peak oil and we're at this condition of ecological loss that, you know, if, if we don't do something about it now, you know, we're not going to survive and we can pretend like that's not true or we can look at it and we can stop arguing about whether or not global warming is true or it isn't. We can look at the disastrous results of our industrial uh, world and be honest about it and then try to make a, a change towards something better. And we can still have a good lifestyle and we can still have a, 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 you know, we can still have a lot of the technology and so forth. We just have to scale things back and make it more efficient and more in line with, you know, natural processes that already occur with the earth that are actually cheaper, more efficient and better for us in the long run. Do you know what I mean? And so this is what I think is meant by that waking up portion. I mean, so a lot of us are awake to this stuff, but what are we doing about it? You know, everyone talks about how they're woke. They're everyone's woke. We're all woke. So the F what you're woke. Great. What are you going to do about it? What are you woke to? You're woke to the fact that there's injustice. Oh, wow. That's a big discovery. (laughs) Oh, the go the, oh the yeah welcome corrupt. to the party <laughs> oh corporations don't have our best interests at heart you're woke okay fantastic now what <laughs> super expensive, super expensive medical, medical yeah, care yeah. equipment or uh system yeah um, okay it's not sustaining all... us you know there's all this thing about ventilators and where are the ventilators where are the ventilators? like where were they last where, year where, where are were they, they last week um how can we spend so much money on this medical system that seems to be in such dire need of a face mask for a nurse. It's like, it's absurd. And and yes, the light light has been turned on. We are, and we can't pull the wool over. I think there's a lot of us, you know, maybe some people like to be lied to. It's overwhelming. It's so overwhelming. What can I do about it? Or I don't, I don't want to be woke. I don't, oh gosh, don't show me that. I can't unsee it. Um, but, but you're right. The it's, cat's the out of the over. bag. It's too late. It, the cat's out of the yeah. bag, and it's much harder to get it back in. That's once great. It comes out of the bag. And then what do we do? And it's a, now we have this in front of us and go, okay, that's exactly at least it's it. going to be honest. We can't fool ourselves into think like these, you know, uh, the school's being closed. Well, but they still kept open the, you know, meal for the a day for the children who, um, you know, can't afford, you know, to eat in their own homes. And it's like, well, that's really great. I'm glad they at least kept that part open. And then I'm also thinking, well, why are there so many children who can't afford to eat that the school lunch is their only, you know, maybe decent meal exactly. of the day and decent in quotes. Um, wow, well, that, that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> We're putting band-aids on these things that are fundamentally maybe really in need of revision and, and maybe complete transformation complete is transformation. exactly the issue. And it's like, this is the challenge with it. It all seems so overwhelming. Here's the beauty of it. We all have our, oh, the, the dog is in the background. God bless him. There he is. I thought we might make it through the show, but there he is. Thank the Lord. The voice of, the vo- the voice of nature is speaking yeah. through. So, and he, and believe me, he's, he's pissed yeah, off. Wake up, to wake, wake up, the, <laughs> wake up the Christ consciousness within, isn't he? So, but the point is, it's like, here's, here's the thing. Here's the long and short of it. I, my, my answer to that, well, what do I do? Pick one thing and go after it. There's something in your heart that you know is close to your heart and close to you. And there's something you're really interested in, really fired up about. And it might be something you're really pissed off about. Or it might be something that you feel really strongly and lovingly towards, like, it could be social justice or organic farming or, you know, trying to start some sort of community co-op for, you know, sharing resources of food or, you know, whatever it is, there's something you're doing or, you know, starting a small business that 
is sustainable. First of all, we've got to look at the way we're doing things. And this word sustainable, you know, I throw it around a lot. And we can't go into it because we're almost done with this show. But what does that even mean? I, I highly encourage you to watch this video. All the listeners who have not seen it, it's called The Story of Stuff. And it's on YouTube, The Story of Stuff. And it will kind of give you an overview of how we produce things and how that just doesn't, it's not going to work. It just makes crap pile up in landfills. So there's another way to do it. And there's a different type of, of, um, of manufacturing that we, we can move towards and using less things and using things that are more durable and actually recyclable, cyclable, not just downcyclable. You know, some of the things we think and take for granted about ecology are absolutely wrong. You know, there's a lot of ideas that we take for granted. Anyway, it's a huge area and it requires a lot of things and it's, it's overwhelming. So my point is pick one thing that you think is important that feels close right. to your heart and go after it with gusto. And like I said, if it's starting a community garden or teaching kids about nature or it's leading a meditation group or it's, you know, helping the elderly uh, in your neighborhood, any of these things are going to help create a more sustainable and more just world. Do you know what I mean? Starting a business from the ground up that that works on a system of maybe cradle to cradle manufacturing and look that up if you don't know what that means. This will change the world dramatically but you have to have a philosophy in order to do that so you've got to do some research and you've got to find an area where you can be of use right well the change happens within i mean it goes back to that be the change you want to see in the world but before you can change change the plastic industry you know a certain amount of consciousness has to to change and you know it's making certain choices when you buy things but really just our philosophy of life is unsustainable and in order for like the next generations to thrive and sort of survive and thrive we have to do something different and these these and kids need leadership and they need role models and they need lions they don't need sheep they need lions who will stand up and be leaders so you need to be a lady lion or you need to be a dude lion you know, or whatever type of lion, and I don't want to limit that, whatever type of lion you need to be, be that lion and, and go out there and be that leader. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and so I think that that's, that's the I thing do. we've got to do. And we've got to let that light shine. So speaking of that, you know, that light, you know, that lion is the symbol of the sun and you know, that's the light, let the light shine. It's uh, a nice circle light. pack, isn't nice it? That's circle back. That's how yeah. it work. Laura. So do you have anything else to to (laughs) add? We're about an hour in and I ranted for a while. So let me let you rant if you've got any more in you, please. Well, how about a quick, quick rant? Um, You know, that light within and no, we're all not going to, you know, climb Mount Galilee and sit at the foot of the master and be instructed like the disciples. Uh, but maybe we are, and maybe we already have been. I think this light that's within us is not that far away. It's not going to take too much of a spark to light the wick again. And we have oil in our lamp already. It's probably hasn't been used <laughs> as much. And never underestimate what little, if you want to put, <laughs> put it in those terms, uh, light you have. Because in a dark room, if you strike a match, people will, ah, my God, what's so bright? Ah, they're seeing you know, tracers or something. You know, you do it out in the middle of the day, no one's going to notice. But um, especially when yeah. things are dark, even a small light. And again, no. there is no small light. Uh, you might think it's small, but never underestimate what power you have. Because there's always something you have that somebody else doesn't have that somebody else is thirsty for. So it may not seem like it means much to you, um, but try to recognize those things and be those things. And to somebody else, what you have might be, oh my gosh, how do they, this is amazing. How can they do that? How can they be this way? That's fantastic. Never underestimate the small things. There are no small things. And if you have a, if you think you have a small light, well, then shine that small light. 
great, okay. uh, great advice. And, you know, if you're yeah. trying to find your way through the darkness, you know, meditate and pray, you know, and if you don't know how to pray, you know, just speak to the, you know, God as you see God and, you know, ask for faith and ask for wisdom and ask for understanding humbly, you know, and speak a word of faith in your life in terms of uh, your affirmations and so on. You know, I have faith and confidence in the universal spirit within me or, you know, whatever, you know, look up some of these great new thought affirmations, uh, read Emmett Fox or uh, Ernest Holmes or, you know, Thomas Troward or any of the, you know, the great new thought things, which Fillmore's. And I mean, there's, you know, hundreds of these great new thought uh leaders that have these wonderful affirmations, uh, use those sorts of things. And of course the Bible go, you know, the new Testament is where all the new thought comes from. It's a new, you know, iteration of, of, of old ancient wisdom. It's one particular branch of that. And so, you know, rediscover some of these things that maybe we we've taken for granted. This is our heritage in a lot of ways. If we're, you know, if we're from, from, well, from the West and, you know, this is the wisdom that's been sh shared for millennia. You know, it's condensed down into, like I said, into, the, you know, into the Greek mythology, into the, into the, the ancient Near Eastern mythology, into the Bible and so on. And then, of course, there's, there's native wisdom and indigenous wisdom that, you know, particular to uh, different cultures, African wisdom and Chinese wisdom and so on. It's all from the same source originally. It's the God source, you know, and that's why it's similar. It comes from the same place. It comes from God. It comes from the psyche. It comes from being a human being. And we have to remember, first and foremost, we are, we are all children of God. And then secondarily, we're people of this culture or that culture, this religion or that religion, this country or that country, this family or that family. But it starts with the common level of humanity. And you know, before that, it starts with the commonality of a, of a universal soul that we all share. So if you can connect to that, you know, you're really working with something. If you can share that and let that light shine out, you know, you can be a beacon of hope in, in, in turbulent times. And then your actions will take that, uh, take that out into the world. And, you know, pray for, you know, the wisdom for the right thing to do. And no matter how small it seems, like you said, it can still make a huge difference. You know, a million or, you know, 20 million or 30 million people doing small things makes massive changes. And then, you know, couple that with like 100 million people doing it or 200 million people doing it. And all of a sudden you've got a world change, a sea change is occurring, but it's just all of us getting together, making small changes or, or even somewhat big changes together that create massive floods of positive change. You know what I mean? So that's, I do. I do. It's the, it. you know, literally the grassroots, the small fire that makes the big fire. Uh, and some of these, you know, mm -hmm. you're talking about, you know, all these individuals working together, they don't have to actually be working uh, networked together. I think together, mm -hmm. these things do work towards a common goal, even if it seems like they're, yeah. someone's doing a good thing here and someone's doing a good thing way over there and maybe they never may know about each other, but somehow collective. those two things and, and they, go into and the there's a, there's collective. A, I think there's a universal wisdom and, behind that. And some people are going to be drawn to movements and already established sort of things. I mean, this one might want to join Greenpeace. That one might want to, you know, be, become part of the Sierra Club. This person might want to, you know, get involved with this political party, whatever it is, whatever your personal inclination is. I mean, do that and move forward with it. But then there's going to be those individuals that are charged with, and feel the need to start their own thing. But that's part of that whole collective movement as well. Your individual, you know, choices add up, you know, that's, we're on, that's the cellular level. The body level is the, the nation or the world, right? The cellular level is our, each, each of our individual contributions, but know that, you know, if you're working from a place of light within yourself, you know, you can't go wrong if you're trying to do, do the the right thing and you're not you know and you're 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 coming from a place of love and you know doing no harm and, and trying to create something something better so so keep that in mind well thank you for joining us thank you for your insights chris i appreciate it uh, again we, we looked at matthew uh, 5 13 through 16 so if you want to check that out in the bible uh, we also looked at ephesians ephesians uh, five, eight through 14. Um, what else do we look at? You talked about uh, the Gnostic gospel, gospel of Thomas, 
33. Gospel of Thomas, yeah, uh, 33, mentioned... passage 33. Yeah, exactly. Very good Masonic member. Christ, that's by uh, Paramahan- Paramahansa, excuse me, Yogananda. And that's an excellent book. So check that out. Uh, and, you know, just get in touch with this wisdom within and share that with uh, with others and let your uh, let your light shine out. Uh, thank you for joining us here on the Cosmic Eye Show. Uh, we wish you the best. And in this time of uh, isolation, um, we wish you peace and health and, and joy for your families and yourselves. Uh, thank you for listening. And please uh, support us if you can so we can keep moving forward with bringing this information uh, to you and to others. And, and share us if you're getting something out of this. Because I think more than ever, we need to share these positive uh, pieces of information with each other. And, uh, you know, it makes it, it does make a difference. It does make a difference. So you can check us out at anchor.fm slash cosmic eye. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, join us again next week on Friday for our Emmett Fox show and, uh, goodbye and God bless.